0: Okay, let's turn to the scriptures, please. Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4. We're just going to lift out two verses, but we're going to look at the book of Philippians uh, as we go through this message this morning. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, please. I think I can still hear that buzzing around me here. Verse 8, please. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let us pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the ministry of song and the musicians and the singers. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and worship your Son in freedom and in liberty. And Father, we also thank you for the table we have gathered around that's reminded us this morning of your Son's great sacrifice and, Lord, the encouragement of the Word that he poured his life out on the death for us. We thank you for every remembrance of him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, Father, in his name, we pray that you would bless those who are at home, Lord, are unwell, maybe even in hospital unwell and couldn't make it this morning. For whatever reason, Lord, we pray you'd give them their portion of the blessing, those who are watching. We pray for those, Lord, who are still tender after recent bereavement. We think especially of Audrey... Jackson and the family circle, Lord, at this time, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and bless them and comfort them. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you, Lord, now to settle us in your presence. Bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify your name. We pray for the children in Crash. We pray for the children in CET Kids this morning, Lord, as they're there's Sunday school class there, the leaders, the teachers, those who will look after all of these little ones. Lord, would you, Lord, let them know of your blessing also. Glorify your son and glorify his name. For Jesus' sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, starts to bring the believers to a positive point. And of course in our reading in chapter 4 verse 8. He says finally brethren. This is actually the finally finally of the Philippian letter. This is the second time he says finally. It's a bit like some of us preachers. This is my last point. Or or, or this is I'm going to close. And then I said I was going to close. But now I'm definitely going to close. Paul is saying I'm going to close. But now I'm definitely Definitely going to close this letter. Finally, brethren, he says, and he says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, what things are whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Then he says, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, many a times, including myself, we look at this and we say, For those who are starting to go down a a dark tunnel of thinking wrong, negative thinking and thinking that would drive you to even depression and bring you down, we, we would give them this scripture and say, think about these things. And I do it too. I've done it recently to try and think more positive. But this is not really the power of positive thinking because the power of positive thinking may try and change your mind, but it will never solidify your faith. It doesn't really do what Paul says in context in the book of Philippians. By all means, if you're thinking and your mind's running amok, as we would say, and it's running ahead of you, by all means, think differently. Try to train your mind to think on better things, by all means. This morning, God willing, and the Lord helping me, we want to look at some of the things that Paul is really saying in the, the context of the letter that he's writing here to the church at Philippi. So Paul is bringing them to a positive point, not just in mind, but he's bringing them to a positive point in their faith. In their faith. In their thinking, but also in their faith. And he's bringing them to a positive place of fellowship one with another and also fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so, through the Philippian epistle, Paul writes, and he highlights some wonderfully spotlighted scenes of revealed truth about the Lord Jesus in relation to the believer's walk and personal relationship with him. Few of those spotted scenes are As follows. For example, in Philippians chapter 4 and in verse 6, Paul says, Be careful for nothing. Now take note of this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, Paul isn't saying, when he's saying be careful for nothing, he's not saying to live a reckless life. He's not telling them to go out and you know, be some sort of a, a maverick and live a totally reckless life. In fact, he's saying that we should not habitually worry. So Paul's speaking about habitual worrying in our minds and in our hearts. And maybe you're a habitual worrier. You worry about everything. You're a worry wart, as people would say. You worry about everything. You worry about your 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 day your lies ahead. You worry about tomorrow. You worry about your children all the time. You worry about this and that and the other. You worry about income and outgoings and you worry about your business and you worry about everything rather than leaving it with God. You worry all the time. You're worried when you get up in the morning and you're worried when you go to bed at night because you can't sleep with the thought in your mind. Paul is saying, be careful for nothing but in everything. Notice, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what Paul is saying is here, stop being a habitual worrier, asking, have you prayed about it yet? Have you prayed about it? I have, I have. Have you supplicated? Have you entered into that place where supplication is being made? It's even, not only vocal, but demonstrative. And you make your request known unto God. So habitual worrying is not of God. Habitual worrying is not of God. Let your eye run down, if you will, please. Just to verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, the apostle says. So he's speaking to the church here at Philippi and he's saying... What do you see in me? What you've heard from me? He says, do those things. Now you see, they were worrying for different reasons. We'll look at it in a minute. But they were worrying because well, Paul's in prison. You're telling us not to worry, Paul. But this is where we'll end up. You're telling us not to be afraid and not to be habitually concerned, but this is where we're going to end up, in prison. As Christians in in these days that they were living in, we're going to end up in prison. We're going to end up persecuted. The punishment could be even death. And you're telling us not to habitually worry, but Paul is saying things come to believers' lives. Problems come to believers' homes. Everybody's home. And he's saying, Don't habitually worry about it. Have you prayed about it? And have you supplicated and made your request made known unto God? I have a prayer and a prayer. He's saying, Don't be through praying, but rather pray through. And here he's saying to them in verse 9, The things which you've seen, which you've learned of me and heard of me, what things, Paul, we're going to look at it. In a moment. But the things that you have heard of me and the things that you have seen me do, in other words, my example, follow it because I follow Christ, he says. But notice here in verse 9 and the God of peace shall be with you. You see the word in verse 9? It says, Learned and received and heard and seen in me. Do. Do. In the Greek text, it means habitually practice. Habitually practice this. You see, we habitually practice things that cause us worry and fear and anguish and anxiety. We habitually, or some habitually, do that. And if you haven't worried by early morning, then you feel there's something wrong. If you haven't done something then some, uh, that you think you should have done, then something bad will happen. Paul says, stop it. Stop it. Stop habitually worrying. Bring it to God in prayer. Supplicate before him. supplication could be you lying with your face on the floor, crying your eyes out onto God. Supplicate could be you praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues in the spirit. And Paul was saying, supplicate before him. Not just I'm praying again. Here I come again, and Lord, I'm just bringing you this wee prayer. I'm just, I'm just asking you for this and for that and for the other one. And here's the wee prayer, Lord, I'm bringing you the same wee prayer. And Paul says, no stop and enter in. Pray like your life depends upon it. Pray like your family's life depends upon it. And make your request known to God. Don't habitually worry in verse 6, but habitually practice in verse 9. Habitually practice in verse 9. So what is your habits? Bad habits? Or good habits? Carnal habits, or fleshy habits, or spiritual habits. What is your habits? So Paul mentions these things that the believers would see. But what if, see, we we think Paul, that, that God doesn't answer prayer if He doesn't answer it our way. We think God doesn't answer prayer if he doesn't answer it the exact way that we want it to be answered. And sometimes God says no. You ever think like that? I know many Pentecostals will not agree with me on it. You think everything you pray for you're going to receive and you're going to create your whole world. The only creator is the Lord. Sometimes God says No. And our faith is that we yield. We yield our, our thinking. We yield our life. We yield our spirit to the sovereign will of God. Many times God says no because he's also something better for you. Because God knows best. Habitual worry and habitual practice. Turn with me, if you will, to chapter one. We'll See how far we get through here. I'm not going to do a big, long message. I know it's, it's cold. It's warm when you're a little bit up, but your feet get a bit cold there, doesn't it? Don't they? I think this evening, God willing, has come out. where we're, We'll light these patio heaters. and it seems to drive the, the heating down more around the feet as well. We'll, do, we'll keep all the heating on this, this evening to we'll try and keep you as comfortable uh, in the tent this morning or this evening. Paul's writing and he's showing them various aspects of the gospel. Now considering Paul is saying, I don't want you to habitually worry, but instead I want you to habitually practice that which you've learned and heard and seen from me. Paul does this in the context of the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Writing to the church, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests. Notice with joy. I notice verse 5 for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So first of all, Paul is saying, learn from what I have taught you, what I have said before, what we've come through. Learn of it. So first of all, if you're taking notes, we have the fellowship of the gospel. Fellowship of the gospel. Paul is saying, I thank God for you. Paul saying, I thank God for you, the believers at the Church of Philippi. I pray for you. Every day I make requests known with joy because of you. Well, uh, let me be parochial this morning and a little bit closer here. Brothers and sisters of Christ Encounters Tabernacle, I can say, I thank God for every one of you. I thank God for the ministry at Guildford. I thank God for every aspect of this ministry, every person in this ministry. And you might say, well, I'm only turning up. I'm only here, but yet I don't really do anything or I'm not really involved in anything and I'm not really much help for the kingdom of God. Let me stop you there this morning as we look at this because this is a little bit deeper than what you and I would believe it to be. Paul is thanking God for the remembrance of them. And then he says that he's praying for them in verse 4. And then he mentions their fellowship from day one right to now. The word fellowship here is the word koinonia. Koinonia. And it gives the idea of a joint participation in a common interest or activity. A joint participation in a common interest or and activity. And this common interest was the the progress of the gospel, the progress of the gospel and the progress of the kingdom of God on the earth. Paul is saying, I thank God for you because you are my very co workers. It's not just fellowship we meet together. It's not just because we gather for a while on a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, or a Wednesday night for prayer or Bible study. He's not not just thanking them for turning up and we, we fill the tent as we do and things like that. He's not just speaking like that. Why, that's encouraging. He's saying, but without you coming, without you turning up, without you being here, without you carrying forth the gospel to where you live to where you work to wherever you are he says without that this work couldn't happen and again brothers and sisters I'm saying that to you this morning I'm saying that to you without you even coming to turn up sure why would we turn up then We couldn't have a work like this if God hadn't placed that faithfulness in your heart. I said it before, it's, it's foggy. I thought this morning, might put a one or two off driving in the fog. I was in earlier, so I don't know. And there's people in earlier than me. But I don't know whether it would have lifted a little bit. I think it's still a little bit foggy out there. It was icy and cold, and you're in a tent and a concrete floor. Listen, God bless you. Seriously, I mean it. God bless you. We're not sitting in a plush building. We're not sitting with central heating, although we have our blowers going. We're not sitting with plush carpet. But you're here. And without Jews getting out of bed to come, to drive in those conditions, to be here faithfully, meeting after meeting and week after week. Well, this assembly wouldn't happen. But God has put it, and God has placed it in your hearts to be here. Meaning this, brothers and sisters, since you are here, since you have come, since you got out of bed, and since you got yourself together, and you got yourself ready, and you, you drove through well, all that we spoke of, and now you're here, and since you have done it, it proves that God works in your life. That you have a desire that's not of yourself. It's not of yourself to be here. If we were left to our own devices, guess where we would be in the world? Guess where we would be? Probably still in bed, some of us. Guess where we would be? With a hangover from last night. And there's no good thing that dwells in me. Paul says, that's in my flesh. But he knew the Spirit of God was dwelling in him. That's the only good thing about us. But he brings us to a place like this. He brings us through conditions like that and worse at times. So even if you take it from that this morning, that you have made it, maybe even suffering mentally, even physically, You've made it this morning. You've made the effort and you've made it this morning. You've made it to remember the Lord's death. You've made it to partake of the emblems. You've made it to sing praises unto God. Even maybe your heart's in your boots and your mind's away somewhere else on something else with the habitual worry. But you're here. You know why? Because God has you here. God is working in you. Take courage, brother and sister. I don't really feel great. It's not about your feelings. It's about faith. You're here this morning. Paul is saying these people were faithful laborers, faithfully praying, and they were faithfully giving that the ministry could continue Now, you know, I don't preach money. I don't preach money. God always meets the need. But Paul says to the Philippians, without your giving, I couldn't do what I do. The gospel couldn't go on the way it's going on from his ministry. This is what Paul's saying. He said, I thank God for you. So, brothers and sisters, Paul is saying, I'm grateful from the first day we've been co-workers and co-laborers of the gospel. And you might say, I'm just turning up. No, you're a co-worker, you're a co-laborer. Yes, there's many things you could help with and get involved with, and there's all those things to look at. I've just been around some of the lead team leaders recently and have more to see of things that are happening in the church, especially run up to to Christmas and you know things will shut down more for the holiday period and you know like uh, I was Alice and I were away to see uh, Ruth and Robert on on Friday evening and even the work that went goes into the the crash. I didn't realize it and I looked at it and I thought wow she brought out the folders and the things she's she's you know that the, the they're teaching and they're the crafts they're doing with the children. And and I thought, wow, this is fantastic. We see them down this morning. We see the children in here. We we have the youth. And all of these things, it's all co-workers, all co-laborers. And your giving is enabling this to happen too. Your faithfulness to come to fellowship together Sunday morning. Your faithfulness is needed on a Sunday night, brothers and sisters. On a Wednesday at the prayer meeting. To pray. Paul says from the first day to now. And uh, without turn, turning to it. It's in Acts 16. It says from the day Lydia opened up her house. To the apostle and the gospel. Until this time. Paul speaking off of Philippians 1 and 5. Paul was grateful to God for her. And for the work right up until that point. And this is what I have written. Paul saying thank you Philippian church I thank my God for you I remember you in prayer for your faithfulness to the meeting for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord for your faithfulness to the Lord for your faithfulness to me he says for your faithfulness even in giving and listen this is what I've written down at the bottom of this I am grateful for you all. I am grateful for your fellowship in the gospel. That's from me to you. So we have the fellowship of the gospel. And secondly, if you go let your eye run down chapter one, the verse seven. Paul writes, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. That's where the pastor, every pastor should have his people. In my heart, he says. I know there's some places in the pastor, it's a remuneration package really that keeps them. It's a remuneration package that keeps them. It's the job of it. I know there's some. It's the it's having the months that keeps them. And the people are well. He cares. The shepherd should always carry them in his heart. In his heart. Pastor Glenn and myself. Carry you in our heart. And Paul says, I have you in my heart. Notice, in as much as both in my bonds, in other words, I'm in prison, you're still in my heart. Still thinking about you, Philippi, the believers there. And in, notice, the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers of my grace. Now, Paul mentions defense and confirmation, but just for the moment, the confirmation Paul speaks of of the gospel. So point two is the confirmation of the gospel. The word confirmation here is the word babiosis. Babiosis. And do you know what it really simply means? It does mean to confirm, obviously. It means you're working along with me. You working alongside to make this possible, establishes. Notice the word. It means establishes and produces confidence in people. Do you see when people see and they hear, and again, I'm being parochial. You know I'm not usually like that. Oh, it's not about always about Christ's encounters, tabernacles, about the Lord, of course. But what the Lord is doing in your heart and in mine, in our lives, in this assembly. So forgive me for being parochial, but I've seen this as I was reading it during the week and I jotted these things down. And when people see you dedicated on to the Lord, not, not dedicated to the church, dedicated to the Lord, but your fellowship is together in this assembly Speaking about us, there's others who can speak about themselves. People see that, and it establishes something. And what it establishes is this, is that these people love the Lord. These people serve the Lord. These people are established in their faith in the Lord Jesus. And it also means these people... Produce confidence, not only in others who come, but have confidence in others who see your lifestyle in the Lord. See of someone who's wishy-washy about their assembly. People go, I'm oh, sure they're there and then they're not. Say they're a Christian to sit at home on a Sunday night. See your car parked at the door. of ah, well them wishy-washy. I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm saying what people say. This is where we live. This is where we are. Notice this, brothers and sisters. Thirdly, if you're writing down, the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 12. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather onto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, Paul is telling us in chapter four and verse eight about all these things are lovely and true and so so forth, and then he says, "Think on these things." That's what this morning's message is called. Think on these things. So, when Paul is speaking about fellowship in the gospel, and he's saying this, then think on these things. When he's speaking on confirmation of the gospel, then think on these things. And then, thirdly, furtherance of the gospel, then think on these things. These are the things that are true and good and lovely and of an honest report and so on. The furtherance of the gospel. Paul uses this word furtherance twice. Look at verse 25. Having this confidence. Now take note of the wording. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you, all for your furtherance of joy, furtherance and joy of faith. What's Paul saying? This is the confidence. Paul is saying there's a confidence in the apostle because He sees the Lord working in the people. He sees the people growing in their faith. He sees the people in their faithfulness. And the apostle is saying, I carry you with me in my heart. I care for you. I pray for you. I thank God for you. And now he's saying, there's confidence among you, grounded in the faith, but there's confidence in me for you that you're going to go on with God. You know, I can't speak for others, but some pastors are encouraged when maybe various things will happen in the church and they're encouraged when um, people come up and tell them how wonderful they are and all those sort of things. I'll speak for myself. I, I know that I would encourage. And look, if you want to encourage someone, that's great. You know where my encouragement comes from? When I see God's people faithful. When I see God's people going on with God. When I see God's people growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my encouragement. My encouragement is when I see people starting to be like the burning bush, consumed with the fire of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and yet not consumed by it, but burning in their hearts for the Lord. That's where I get my encouragement from. My discouragement isn't even when people say things about me. Yeah, you get discouraged, but that's not my main discouragement. I have people say things about me all the time. So I will always be discouraged. No, my discouragement is when I see people waning, when I see people wandering away, and even when you go to minister, they don't take heed to the wanings and the wanderings that the Lord is bringing forth to them, and and they end up starting to go further from you. Just as I carry you all in my heart, so my discouragement of heart is when those who are wandering and waning and won't heed the word of encouragement to them or even admonition. When they won't heed it, take it in, and they wander away. That's what discourages me more than anything else. Paul is saying, I have a confidence here because of you, your faith, and what you're doing in the service of Christ. Take note here. I'll finish this point on this furtherance of the gospel and maybe do the rest of it. There's another few points I have down next week, God willing. Paul says in verse 25, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you. Now he's in prison. He means in spirit and heart, with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. As I said earlier, you see, the Philippians were concerned about being put in prison or being persecuted or even being found guilty as being a Christian and the punishment by death. That means the world would have seen them. The Romans or the Jews at the time would have seen them as Christians, knew them as Christians. In other words, they knew their language, their speech, their lifestyle. That they were followers of Christ. And they got themselves in trouble because of it. Just by being a follower of Christ. And I know in this day and age it's coming to us again. But here's what I want to ask you. If we were in this day and age today, I wonder how many of us would be in prison. I wonder how many of us would find ourselves that we could be found as a Christian with persecution. I wonder how many of us would be found guilty of being a Christian. The Philippians were concerned about this because Paul's in prison. And their thinking was, that which happened, and that which is happening to Paul. Listen to what they were thinking. Surely, with you being in prison, Paul, this is a bad look, and you're hindering the gospel. This is their mindset. And now this can come to us. Either we're going to be in prison, and this is going to just upset the whole gospel message now. Brothers and sisters, notice what Paul says in verse 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me are fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. See, the term which happened, there in italics in your, your King James Bible, and it means it's not in the original text. And so it really means what Paul is saying. The things dominating me are bonds of chains. Notice a prison door. That's what's hindering me. But when people are hearing and seeing the determination of Paul to go through this, for a Christ, he said, arrested him on the road to Damascus. This zealous pharisaical Jew Now a follower of Christ. And if surely if Christ was truly as good and as great and as wonderful and as lovely and beautiful and as powerful as you say, Paul, you wouldn't be in prison. You wouldn't have the chains. The door wouldn't be closed on you. But rather, Paul's saying the opposite. He's not saying prosperity and gospel here. He's saying bonds, prison doors and bars, he says, are helping me. And helping the gospel. And sometimes the things that we go through in life, for some reason, God can use your faith in Christ that people will behold it and see it and lay hold upon it. And it's tough, it's difficult, it's frightening, it's painful, it's hard. Well, people say, see him. How is he getting through this? And it's spot by the grace of God. The Christ that saves me is the Christ that keeps me. See her. How is she going through this? It's a terrible and dreadful time. Look at the way. She says, yeah, we might be weeping our way at times through it. We might be struggling through it. We might feel the bonds of it and the bars of it, but brothers and sisters, people look at you and they see something in you. And Paul's saying, This is for the furtherance of the gospel. Not a hindrance, but the furtherance. Ask God. Go make your request made known unto him, and ask him and supplicate before him and say, Lord, whatever's happening to me now, I yield myself to your sovereign will. But will you help this to be for the furtherance of the gospel? How does God bring something good out of something bad? I don't know, but He can and He does. The things which happen, Paul says to me. Brothers and sisters, nothing I'm not put my mic off I was about to say nothing just happened and then I thought that just happened <laughs> in that sense nothing just happens to the child of god it's two ways either they're from god they're from god Or they come to us via another source of God's permissive will. Paul would say things have fallen out or have come to result rather for the furtherance of the gospel. And this is what he's saying. He says, listen, the the word furtherance, by the way, is a word procope. It gives the idea of an army coming up, to a forest a thick dense forest to go to attack somewhere else and they can't get through the forest as an army so what they do is they send an army of woodcutters out first and they cut the whole way through the forest they make a path for the army to advance the word prochepe is the word furtherance paul saying this is cutting right through the forest, as it were, of the trees, of of what he's going through. This will bring the gospel to places where it wasn't before. What I'm going through, he says, will bring the gospel to places. People will hear, this is the man who was religious fanatically mad of the Jews' religion. I'm religiously, fanatically mad. But now he says he's met this man, Jesus Christ, who has risen. And people are saying, hold on a minute, there's something in this. That he's willing to go to prison and even on to death. And from that, Paul saying, Don't habitually worry. But rather. Habitually practice this. Life won't be a bed of roses, but rather that if you're in Christ, if you're in Him, you will find that it is the opposite. That people will attack you for your faith. So I finish with this. The Lord Jesus said, I mentioned this to someone this morning, Luke 6 and verse 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. I said to someone this morning, I was thinking about this and I realized in, in a lot of circles, people have sort of settled down from attacking me. And then I thought about it this morning, I thought, Lord, what am I doing wrong when they've stopped attacking me? You said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. So Jesus is saying, expect it. Expect the attack. Paul says, think on these things. See how we get on for next week. Maybe do another part. The Lord bless you.